Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Today we have a bonus episode which was originally released in November 2018 on the Learning on Fire podcast. And this episode is with Seth Perler and he's an executive function coach. And the reason I want to bring this back this week is that he has an online summit for three days starting on August the 21st. And it really is for you as parents to learn from experts about how to help your child navigate through school in life with better executive function. So to make the most of this, please do just visit educationonfire.com forward slash blog. And there we have some details about the summit and in my affiliate link, which will take you straight through to the page. You can register for free and find out exactly what this is all about. So I hope this interview gives you a bit of an understanding as, as to who Seth is and how he works. And this is our previously recorded Learning on Fire podcast with Seth Perler. There comes a time in every person's life when you realise it's not about doing what you are told, but doing what you know is right for you. Let us take a journey of learning and discovery with the world's most successful people who are living the life of their dreams, walking through life using their inner wisdom and being of service to others. Forget exams, grades and test scores. What is your purpose? as we let go of what we think should be and learn from our elders to gain knowledge, inspiration and a true sense of who we are. What are your dreams? Does your life have meaning? Are you living a life of significance? Let's talk with today's guest. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome as we spend some more time together on the Learning on Fire podcast. Today I'm talking to Seth Perler. Hi Seth, thanks for joining me and let's explore the journey of who you are. Hey Mark, thank you for having me. So let's get, start with a, a little bit of history. Obviously, people are here from the accent. You're from America. So, so whereabouts are you living? And um, give us a bit of background into your sort of education experience there. My accent? Just kidding. Um, cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, first of all, I want to say thank you for what you do. Um, and thank you for just stepping up in the world and doing something that affects so many people. I really appreciate that you have made the choice to do that to help kids, essentially. Oh, brilliant. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. So my name is Seth Perler, and I live in Boulder, Colorado in the United States, and I am an, uh, an executive function coach. So basically what that means is that I specialize in working generally with middle high school and college students who struggle in school. So they often struggle with things like time management, um, organization, focus, motivation, procrastination, getting started, getting finished, getting things turned in. And ultimately, their grades are usually suffering as a result of it, and uh, they, they struggle with this stuff. So that's what I do now. And I also focus on 2E kids, which means that they're twice exceptional. So most of the kids that I work with are gifted and talented in one way or another, but they also have some learning challenge. They may be dyslexic, uh, have Asperger's, um, ADHD, or have no diagnosis whatsoever, but they are, they are still struggling. And as far as who am I, that, you know, I'm, I'm a coach, but I was also a, a school teacher. I taught um, elementary school, middle school, math, science, social studies, reading, writing. So I taught all subjects. And I also taught various ages. 
And as a kid, I often talk about this, but as a kid, I was that struggling student. So literally starting in first grade, I started getting teacher reports that said things like daydreams, does not pay attention, isn't trying, lazy, things like that. And I struggled every year until uh, as a student in high school, things got really bad and I couldn't really fake it anymore. When I was younger, I could kind of fake it, but as I got older, I couldn't, and my grades started really suffering. And then I went to college, and I failed out of college. And then I went to another college, and I almost failed out, but instead I dropped out. And I just really felt hopeless and like I couldn't do school, and I just had no idea what to do. And then I turned my life around, learned how to um, – navigate life a little bit better, ended up going back to school to become a teacher because I do believe in education when done right. And that education is the key to allow us to have as many opportunities as possible for a great future. So I ended up becoming a teacher, teaching for 12 years, and then leaving teaching to become the coach that I am now and really focus on helping kids who struggle with this stuff so that they can have a, a great future. And that sounds really amazing. And I guess that really is, well, I guess, I guess it's, it, it really is, you sort of see both sides of that of, of that coin, don't you? Because I was just going to say, you know, your life growing up is different to now. Um, but in, in some ways, it's the, it's the same thing. You're just on, on, on the different side of the fence. You're now helping and supporting those people, but really from having the experience of doing it. So you must have some kind of empathy there, which really, I guess, puts you in a really um, strong position for those people you're working with. Yeah, that's a good point. I feel like I was born for this, and I feel like um, my superpower is is the empathy, is that I can really sense and feel what my students and the families are going through on a very, very deep level because I was there, and it's so, so, so hard, and I felt so bad about myself, and I, I don't want people to feel like that again. And also, as a successful business person, blogger, vlogger, um, person who who runs my own business doing this, I still struggle with the exact same things that I struggled with as a student, except I've learned a better executive functionality and I've learned how what works for me, not what my what my parents think or society thinks, but what works for me so that I can be successful. And I really see that with the kids that, you know, I, I really sense what they're going through and I want to help them find their own way. I call it Franken study. We can get to that later maybe, but their own systems that work for them rather than us as adults dictating, Oh, you need to do it this way. You need to do it that way. We really need to tune into the individual. I think that's absolutely key. And what I really love about that is the fact that, you know, in this particular example, you know, we're talking about students who are really struggling specifically with, with certain areas of their learning. It's not it's not even a general thing about I'm being told I want to I'm supposed to be a doctor or a lawyer and really I'd rather be an artist. We're talking about very specifically I want to be able to to function in a way that enables me to support my schooling in, in, in a very sort of clear and, and, and straightforward way. And um and so it, it's really interesting sort of having had a few of these 
these interviews now about how it really this idea of being yourself and finding what works for you really does stretch across the entire spectrum of of every person not not just one particular niche and um yeah I, th- I think that's a really interesting thing and I think people listening can really identify with that no matter who you are it really is about if you can put yourself and and, and think of all these things around school and people that are supporting you as tools and supportive people then you can find your way to go forward I think yes so you said you know school was a struggle and you were sort of um sort of almost faking it for a long time and, until you sort of really sort of turned it round but what was valuable about that school experience even if it wasn't necessarily a positive thing was there something valuable that you really learned from that uh yeah definitely um first of all I'll, I'll talk about just because i think people can relate to this but the way that i was sort of faking it um is what i would call uh, compensatory strategies so in my case the way that i compensated for my weaknesses was that i could sit in the class and half pay attention and learn very quickly. And if there was a test or an exam or a paper that had to be written in class, I could fake it pretty well. I could learn enough to fake it. And what I wasn't good at though was like, I I failed most of my classes because I didn't do anything that had to be done out of class. I couldn't, uh, I wasn't disciplined enough to do my homework and to get it turned in. And those types of things are what brought my grades down. And, um, you know, what was valuable about my school experience, I guess, uh, you know, there was there were positive things, certainly. But I was always an outside the box kid. I was always the black sheep uh, in my class. So um, and I I experienced a lot of shame in terms of getting the message, you're lazy, you just must not care about school, you're not trying hard enough, uh, you just need to uh, pull yourself up by by the bootstraps and work harder. Um, you know, I got all these messages that really I internalized and I felt like, wow, I, not like I'm failing, but like I am a failure. I'm going to say that again. I didn't just feel like I was failing, I felt like I was a failure. Like I was lazy and I do not believe that story today. So one, one of the things that was so valuable about the experience, as I was mentioning before, that that is so valuable that I got to suffer (laughs) and, and I got to learn and see these patterns that I see in so many students nowadays through that suffering. But I also, what was valuable with the suffering, and I'm not trying to sound like a victim or blaming or anything, uh, but what was so valuable about it is that I also, I got to have this experience where I really felt very bad about me. And I got to learn that we can completely change our life experience and learn to listen to our own gut and our own conscience. And we can learn to find our own strengths and our own interests and our own gifts, our own talents and our own purpose and our own meaning in life. Um, even though there's so much pressure from the outside sometimes that it was so valuable for me to experience that because I get it. I can see that it doesn't have to be that way and that if I could do it, anybody can do it. Not easily, and I'm not trying to say that, but that was that was very important for me to understand. And I think that's a really great takeaway to have is the fact that every experience you have is a positive one depending on how you look at it and how you see it and how you reflect on it as you go through. And uh, I think that's a really valuable thing for us all to understand as we go forward. 
Uh, which teachers do you remember and and why is that? Okay, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I, I remember some of the ones that I, I really liked and some of the ones that I didn't. I'm going to mention one that I didn't first and then I'll mention a couple that I did. So one of my teachers... Um, I really felt like she hated me. <laughs> and the reason I'm bringing this up is because I have a lot of students now that will say, my teacher hates me or my teachers hate me or the school hates me. And I don't think today that she actually hated me. But as a student, I remember her because I felt like she hated me. I felt like I was um, being not, I was given the short end of the stick and she was unusually hard on me and she was not tolerant of me. And she was someone who is a very structured, organized human being, somebody who really didn't get it. It just didn't make any sense to her that I was not compliant with what she was telling me to do. And she had a huge, huge, huge influence on me because part of the reason I became a teacher was I never wanted anyone to feel like that again. Obviously, I can't change the world like that, but <laughs> but that 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 had a huge impact on me, and really not wanting anyone to suffer like that. So, and the uh, some of the other ones that I remember, one his he was uh, my high school Spanish teacher. I actually failed his class, but I I loved this guy. His name was Mr. Gould, and he was my one of my high school Spanish teachers, and another one, Mr. Brooks. He was a high school writing teacher. And another one, Miss Agrelo, she was a high school Spanish teacher. These three teachers and probably others that actually there's one named Miss Ittenbach. She was a writing teacher. Um, so it's interesting. I mentioned two subjects. One is Spanish. These are four teachers. Two of them were Spanish classes and two of them were English classes, reading and writing classes. Now, I did not do well in Spanish, um, but I was I did did feel like a good writer. So that kind of brings up the topic that, you know, sometimes students who, when they're engaged in a topic, they can be more successful in the class. And when they're not interested in a topic, they can be less successful. However, if you have a teacher that cares about you, you can be more successful in a topic you are not interested in, in and you can learn to be interested when you have somebody who's really inspiring. Anyhow, these four teachers that I mentioned, the reason that they were so memorable for me is because of one very interesting thing, and that is that they cared about me. Of course, it had to do with the content. It had to do with how into the content they were, how inspiring they were, and all this stuff. But the main reason I remember them is because they cared about me. They accepted me. They made me feel seen. They made me feel heard. They made me feel known. They made me feel understood. They made me feel emotionally safe. They made me feel like I was valuable as a human being, regardless of any of the struggles that I had. They made me feel cared about. That's amazing, isn't it? Because you often actually think of these things in terms of this teacher was really important to me or I really liked them because, like you said, I was good at the subject or they gave me good grades or, or and you do sort of get that sense sometimes that, oh yes, they were really inspiring. But I think what you've taken us on a journey there is that, that whole other level of why that's the case, you know, being seen, being understood, being heard, all of those things, you know, and then you realise that all of these things and the real talent of teachers, especially when you really need support, is that ability to connect on a level which is above and beyond sort of teacher pupil. It's actually much more on a, on a more human to human level. I think it is. It is. It is so. It's so simple. And in that, uh, when you put it in those terms, it really is. 
It's caring about another human being. You know, teachers choose this profession because they want to make a difference. But a lot of teachers haven't done their own inner work or therapy or whatever they need to do to resolve their own stuff. And that shame and those expectations can sometimes really um, impact somebody negatively because they're they're wanting the student to be something that they aren't rather than meeting them where they're at. But yes, when you're cared about, um, you know, and, and my kids today that I work with, I can see it all the time, the students that I work with. When they know that they're cared about by their teachers, they're going to work harder for that teacher. They're going to give more of themselves. They're going to feel safe enough to take risks in that class to push themselves beyond their comfort zone for their own well-being. And that's one thing we do know, isn't it, is that it's outside of your comfort zone when, when real sort of magic happens and real learning and real growth happens. And and, and the, sort of the dichotomy is, is that, of course, you need to be safe to do that, even though it's such an unsafe place of feeling <laughs> and it's a yeah I, that, you can see why that relationship is so important because the, I, I guess it's a trust isn't it that you know no matter what the outcome this teacher and this environment's got your back no matter what you what what you're trying to achieve when you feel like that when you feel like that those, those are great words mark when you feel like they've got your back no matter what <laughs> you you can move mountains so who did you admire when you were young um <laughs> So I, I thought about that question in a couple of different ways. Um, as far as the people that I knew, it's a not very open-ended question. As far as the people that I knew in my own personal life, the people that I admired probably were usually somewhat black sheeps themselves or outside of the box people that I, that I felt accepted by and understood and seen and heard and all that stuff. So I admired people who made me feel valuable and and important. I also admired creative types. I uh, loved rock and roll music. Um, the band Kiss was one of my favorites. I had posters of Kiss growing up, and um, and all all of these rock and roll bands, Queen and Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix. And so I really admired creative people that could that I didn't even know, but that were able to affect my life through their art and their creativity. So I definitely admired those type of people. And then the third type of people that I really admired, I think, were, um, I, I was kind of different as a kid in that I started reading sort of self-helpy books unusually young. So when I was 13 or 14, I read um, Dr. Wayne Dyer and I read Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Um, so I read these books that were very, very heavy and I was a sensitive kid. I was a deep kid to this day. I like depth. Um, I like deep thinking. I like deep feeling. I like, uh, introspection and self-reflection and journaling and metacognition and, um, and learning and self-awareness type things. But these authors, um, who wrote these books, these quote self-help books that some people may think are cheesy, but these like these books, they they changed my world. They helped me see that these deep thoughts and deep questions that I was having about the world and the meaning of life and existence and humanity and uh, the human experience and the hero's journey and and all of these 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 thoughts that I had swirling around in my head, these people had 
spent time writing books that examined how we can develop greater self-awareness in this world, in this very um, precious, brief lifetime. How can we get the most out of it? So I would say that to wrap it up, those, those are the people that, that cared about me, the creatives and the musicians and the artists, and then the authors that, that really dove into the human condition. And what I what I find really fascinating is that all of these people had an impact, but in a different way. And I think that's the great thing to take away when we're looking at our own lives and, you know, what's our strength? What are our skills? And, you know, you said earlier, your superpower, you know, because everything that you do when it's authentic can affect people and have an impact on them in a different way. Like I said, from, you know, the rock and roll band, which is, you know, seems like a stratosphere away from, from you when you're just in your bedroom listening to them as a youngster, you know, to the intimacy of actually, like you say, reading a book and someone who's literally opening the world from the inside out and ex- exposing you to something um, which is completely new, but transforming, but also connecting with you in a way that you know is true. I think, especially when it's something like you said with Wayne Dyer and people like that, it just really makes that kind of connection. And so the impact can be either end of the scale. It, you know, it can be far reaching and it can also be intimate at the same time. And as long as it's authentic, I think that really is the way that you make the biggest impact overall. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I definitely agree. The authenticity. Yeah, and I, I think there was. Uh, as, as far as the impact, you, you ask about the word impact. And I, I think that all of those people, one of the key, key, key ways that they all impacted me in my life was that when I was having an internal struggle, when I was down on Seth, when I was hopeless, when I was sad, when I felt horrible about me, when I felt like that loser, that lazy person that couldn't do anything, when I felt like I couldn't achieve my goals, um, and when I beat myself up, all of those people, the impact that they had on me was that during those dark, difficult, challenging times, they gave me the hope to push that next step to move forward a little bit, to take a tiny risk, to just say, you know what, maybe I'll figure this out. Maybe things will be okay. What great words of wisdom there, just just to, to sort of have that sense that there's, there is another way or just keep going. I think that's often the case, isn't it? You don't know how close you are to just turning a corner or, or having a bit of chink of light coming through that can actually change how you feel about yourself and therefore from there, you know, how, how you how you experience the world around you. You don't. Yeah. You don't know how close you are to things changing. Yep. It could be right around the corner. It might be a while. (laughs) At times it is. At times the light at the end of the tunnel feels very far away. Um, But inevitably, if we persist, if we do hold on to that little bit of hope and we keep moving forward, there will come a time when we're out of the tunnel and we look behind us and we say, whoa, I'm not there anymore. I'm in a better place. And I really hope that the, you know, these conversations that we're having on the podcast can really um, shine a light on that because I, that that's that's a recurring theme of, of that. You know, I, I guess when you're younger, you know, that whole sense of perspective and, and you haven't got the experience because your your life is limited to the number of years that you've been alive. But just if you can just hear enough of, the, of, of this sort of conversation about the fact that 
the people that we're talking to, the people that these conversations are coming around really have had this experience and they're saying the same thing. Hopefully there's a little bit of, of wisdom there that just gives you that extra strength just to, if you are struggling to be able to just really just keep going. And, and I think that that can be as, as important as anything else you're going to hear um, on this podcast or any other, to be, <laughs> to be honest. It really is a, a key factor and so, so often. Yep, just persist, even if it, even if it's a millimeter, even if it's 50 steps forward and 49 steps back. You're moving in the right direction. That's the key, isn't it? Yep, it is. Um, what was the best advice that you've ever been given and, and who gave it to you? Consistently, the person that has given me the best advice um, in, in the most pivotal years of my life was this, uh, this old guy named Red. He's now passed on. Um, but one of the things that he said to me, he, he would kind of give me tough love and uh, tell me the truth. And I did not like it at the time. But I would always walk away from whenever he gave me advice. And I would always ask myself if there was any truth in what he said, even though I may have been I may have not liked it at the time. I would always ask myself, was there truth in it? And I would <laughs> and inevitably find that, yes, there was truth in it. He <laughs> saw me very clearly. And one of the things that he said to me is he sat me down and he pulled out a little piece of yellow paper. And I remember this, and this was many years ago, but I remember it like it was yesterday. And he drew a picture of a, a basketball court. He was a big uh, Indiana University basketball fan. And he said, Seth, look at this. This is a basketball court. I'm like, okay. He said, see this? This is where the audience sits. This is where you pay tickets to watch. And this, this is the court, and this is where people play the game. And I'm like, okay. He's like, life is not a spectator sport. Only a small percentage of people actually get in there and play the game. Get in there and play the game. And that metaphor for me um, definitely stuck with me. And thinking, you know what? We can we can live life pretty unconsciously, pretty mindlessly, pretty numb, pretty reactive. We can just kind of do what we've learned and not really question things and just kind of be a robot and go through life kind of numbing out and just kind of, you know, watching TV or drinking beer all the time or playing video games all the time or doing whatever people do to kind of forget about life and kind of miss out on the fact that life is not a spectator sport. We can get in there and really engage in life, the whole gamut of life, really experience sadness in a good way where we're processing it, really experience even emotions like anger in a good way where we're looking for the messages that anger gives us, really experience joy and happiness and peace in a very, very deep way, not a surfacey way, not just going to just, quote, have fun, but to really experience the depth of joy that's available to us on, on a deeper level, on, um, on a very real personal level, to really engage in life, not just sort of drift through life and not, uh, he used to say, don't cope, live, not to just cope with life, but to live and engage with life, to get in the game, to be a player, to take the risks, to win, to lose, to get hurt, but also to experience, you know, it's not all about that, but to really experience the whole gamut, but really when it's good, to really know how to enjoy it and appreciate it when it's good and to be grateful for the people that we have in our life, even if they annoy me, even if they get on my nerves, 
the the fact is is that the great people in my life give me so much more good than bad and there are so many wonderful people in in my life um and wonderful opportunities and things and so just to really be alive not just cope but to be alive and play the game and not be a spectator I can really I can really identify with that because like you say it really is easy just to watch everyone else and feel like you've got no control isn't it and that's the thing when you make that decision to to be involved then you have the chance to make a difference whatever that happens to be and like you say sometimes it's tough and sometimes you have to feel the full force of um, in that analogy being injured as opposed to school in the basket but all of it's important if, if, if you're living it through and and it's certainly one of the things that I've noticed with with our children. You know, sometimes people want to sort of dumb down those emotions, especially if there's, you know, if you're angry or someone's sort of making life uncomfortable for you. But to fully appreciate it and understand it for what it is and live through it is is um is an incredibly powerful thing. I think. Yeah. Uh, what advice would you give your younger self? I guess the advice that I give my younger self, I think there would be probably three things. Let's see if I can remember them all. One would be, don't be so hard on myself. I just, I, I beat myself up more than anybody. I held myself back more than anybody. The, another thing would be, don't be so resistant. Resistant to asking for help uh, from my parents, from adults, from teachers. Resistant to receiving help. Resistant to um, journaling or um, to taking more time to do my homework or to study for tests or to read books or to do things that were good for myself, to use a planner, to, to uh, do my schoolwork. So I would say don't be so resistant. And I guess uh, along the lines of the first one with don't be so hard on myself is to be more kind to myself and more self-caring and more compassionate with myself. And oh, and the third one would be to take more risks, risk developing new relationships with new human beings, risk letting go of friends that weren't working for me and friends that weren't true friends, risk doing things that were scary, but that I wanted to do and that I believed in today as as an entrepreneur, as my own business. And I'm sure you can relate to this, Mark, with, for example, the podcast. You are risking yourself by making this podcast and putting it out there in front of people all the time and being vulnerable about who you are and what you care about and showing it to the world. Like, that's a huge risk. I, I am certain, I'm interested to hear this from you, but I'm certain that you went through times when, when you clicked publish on those first podcasts when you were probably terrified. And when you first put up your website and your about page and you were terrified that the world would judge you. Now, one of my biggest keys to success as an entrepreneur is I take tons of risks. I risk making online programs, making videos, making articles saying my, my truth about something that people might disagree with and they might not like. I risk putting myself out there. I risk doing what I believe in. And it is scary to this day. 
and I have failed so many times. I, you know, if I take a if I take a thousand risks this year in 2018, I might fail 800 times. But those successes, those 200 successes, whether they're big or small, even small successes matter so much more than the failures. The failures I just learned from. I, now I just look at them as learning experiences. They're nothing. I enjoy it. It just gets me closer to success. And the successes feel so meaningful and so rich and so amazing. So I would say to give myself the advice of take more risks. Go try stuff. Go tell somebody how you really feel about them in a good way or a bad way. Go get a job and get fired. Go get a job and succeed. Go try to start a little business. Go start a business and watch it fail. Go start another one and watch it succeed. It doesn't matter. Just keep trying. It's kind of like the basketball game and getting engaged in life. Just go play the game. Take risks. Try things. I'm not saying stupid risks or foolish risks or risks that are self-harming, you know, or risks that are going to potentially get you in trouble or things like that. Um, but I'm saying consciously take calculated risks that are beyond your comfort zone that are going to push you and that may work and they may not work. But don't be attached to whether or not they work. Go try it out and see what you're made of. That's what I would tell myself. I think that's great advice. And, and I think one thing I'd like to add to that is the fact that it's also a habit, isn't it, in some ways? Because um, yes. li li like you said, you get into that sense of, you know, failing isn't failing when when it's a positive learning experience. And um, and like you said, you know, those when you first set up anything, you, you know, you're thinking everyone's looking at it, everyone's judging you. But actually, what you're doing is judging yourself most and actually, you know, do your best work, do what you think is right, put yourself out there authentically and then just see what happens. And because there, there is no perfect, because I know having gone through this cycle quite a few times now, what I think is the right thing to do or the perfect thing or what I think is pushing me now is going to be very different in six months time. So actually... Mm -hmm just doing it, just putting it out there, seeing what happens, and then it, you're going to move on, whether it was a success or not, because that goalpost is going to change for you, and, and that particular learning curve is going to change each time you do something new anyway. Yep. I say the same thing. I say that I'm a different person every, every six months. Yep. And they're both habits. I can be in the habit of, of limiting beliefs where I believe that I can't do it. This is too hard. This is stupid. I don't want to try. Why even give it the effort? And then I can be in the habit of, you know what? Just do it. Let's see what happens. But they're, they, you're right, they are both habits. And I think it also sort of stems back a little bit to, like you said, about that kind of just doing doing it a little bit. You know, any, anything is a positive one in, in, in the right direction. So, you know, even if you want to just push yourself a little bit you know just just write that one extra part of a, a blog or something or, or or just make that comment to someone which you think is important and and it just pushes that boundary a little bit but it does just like you say it creates that positive habit and just opens a world that you can't quite know what you're stepping into until you actually see it and and start to to part the curtains enough to start to step inside and then and then just allow it to happen and i think that's the that's a really key thing as well just it needs those positive things and until you take those risks you don't know what that world is beyond there yep and it's all about the baby steps how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time <laughs> yes <laughs> absolutely true um what does your future look like ah my future well, I'm spending uh, more time in Hawaii on the beach, uh, getting away from technology. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, my future, uh, I guess there are these different levels of it in terms of my day-to-day life. Hopefully my future looks happy and healthy and filled with the most important thing in the world, which is family and friends that are important to me, spending quality time with people I care about. Um, so hopefully my future is filled with more and more and more of that, of, of great relationships with people I care about. But I also see my future as being able to get better and better and better at doing my mission, which is serving kids, which is helping students self-actualize and, and make their, uh, empowering kids to overcome their struggles so that they can make their own, as Steve Jobs said, make their own dent in the universe so that they get engaged in the game of life so that they take the risks and they can do achieve their goals and dreams. So getting better and better at that. Um, I see that as my future, but also it's not for me just about serving the students that I work with or the families that follow my blog or, or podcasts that I'm on or my videos or anything, but it's also about affecting change in education as a whole. One of my biggest goals that uh, the, the reason that I do what I do is because I want to change education. I believe in education. I believe that a good education is the key to being able to create a great future. However, when you have school systems that do not recognize um, neurodiversity and executive function struggles and some of the emotional struggles and things that our kids are dealing with. And when, when sometimes the, the system or families don't have the tools or the knowledge or the know-how to, to be able to empower these kids to create a great future, then what we have is we have kids who grow up and who don't self-actualize and who get into problems with addictions or problems with relationships and unhealthy relationships or problems with um, doing jobs or careers that they don't even like or care about or don't matter to them. They don't have choices. They don't have freedom. They aren't able to achieve their potential. So part of what my future looks like is hopefully being able to influence and affect change in terms of how people perceive education as a whole and hopefully empowering people to make different choices to better educate people so that the systems work better and provide students more with what they need so that they really can really really write their own scripts in life and really craft a great future that really is a a great thing to to aim for and to and well I know you're achieving it and with some of the great work that you're doing and um and it's the it's that exact reason that this podcast net network exists you know it's that kind of a podcast which can show some of the great inspiring creative stuff that's happening in schools already on the educational yeah. file podcast and then within that whether you've got a great school or not there's that personal journey that we're going on as students and parents for that matter um which this podcast actually is able to identify and help you with as well and um 
and on that sort of bigger level my latest podcast which is for the national association for primary education um you know there i know today they've been um talking to to government about various things that are going through the education system and they've been asked to to comment on that so this sort of collaboration with all of these different areas they all touch our lives in different ways but i think we have a a chance to make change just by doing those little things as they come by and just sharing sharing these messages and and sharing our journeys with everyone what podcast book um video film song or or what resource has had the biggest impact on your life and and why was that okay so as far as what podcast book video film song or other thing that has had a big impact on my life um i'm gonna mention a few here that happened at a pivotal time in my life but basically for me i have always loved lyric song lyrics they've had a huge impact on me um a lot of books uh, have had a huge impact on me for example the hobbit that that uh of mice and men like these were just uh, you know i'm the um wayne dyer and uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross on death and dying like these have had huge influences but I will say that one resource that has had the biggest Im- impact on my life uh, would be uh, there's this guy and his name is Seth Godin he's a blogger and a writer and he's all over YouTube you can find him but what happened to me Mark was that I was a teacher for 12 years and as a teacher, I felt very limited in the sense that I felt I didn't have anything to fall back on. And once I became frustrated with the system where I didn't feel like I could do what I was there to do, where I couldn't serve students the way I felt like I needed to, um, (laughs) I felt like, well, what can I do? And I, I had this crazy idea of starting this blog and starting this business and, and, uh, really serving the kids, the struggling students that I love helping. I like complicated human beings. That is my thing. I, I really enjoy helping people decode their brains and figure out how to navigate life. And I didn't know anything about business. I didn't know how to do any of it. And I, I was I was terrified, Mark, as I'm sure I've, you probably have been <laughs> with your podcast and stuff. But I really didn't know if I could do it. And I found... Seth Godin. And I started reading his blog religiously and um, watching videos of him and reading his books and stuff. And what I really learned from Seth Godin was very, very, very reaffirming and very pivotal was that if I do what I believe I should do and what I believed I should do was focus on service focus on helping human beings in the way that I believe I was meant to. If I focus on generosity and giving, and I create a business based on that, and I don't do any sleazy sale tactics, which is very hard to get that message, but Seth Godin is actually like, look, just be authentic. Make something awesome. Offer it to people. Be helpful. Be generous. Be kind. Put yourself out there. Make a ruckus is something that he often says. Um, he he really, really affirmed for me. Yes, Seth, keep just like what I told you before with my, you know, the the thing, the people who really encouraged me um, with their art and had an impact. He had this impact on look, 
Just keep trying to serve, keep trying to give, keep trying to be generous, keep trying to run a business that you believe in, the way you believe in doing it. And I would hear all kinds of messages from from the internet or from marketers and from people and, you know, just, and I would see all these sleazy advertisements and I hate that stuff. And it was so refreshing to know that I didn't ever have to do any of that, that I could really build something where I'm trying to be helpful and I could also make a living doing what I love and what I'm passionate about. So I guess that's the, the, uh, resource that I want to mention to you. There are lots of books and pocket. I'm not going to mention specific ones, um, but because there are just so many. But he always says the same thing that it's the, in different ways, and he just really makes it applicable to any type of human being who is looking for inspiration. And and I really like that. Like I say, it's, it's about that connection, isn't it? When when someone speaks to you, I mean, they're speaking to the world, but at the same time, they really connect with you. And um, and just so that you know, all these resources are going to be on the show notes, so um, you'll be able to click through and and, and have links to all these things, and uh, or find some um links to the book, but also some of the great videos in that. There's a TED talk, isn't there? I believe that um, that he's got very good, a so. couple of TED talks and one of them is called uh, I think it's called Stop Stealing Dreams and it's all about education. So that's perfect and that just really resonate with so many people when they when when they watch that especially for the people listening here so uh, that that's a great one and as I said that yeah they'll be on the show notes so you can just click straight through. Um well, it's it's been a great conversation, Seth. I've really really enjoyed it. You've given us so much value. And um, if people want to find out any more about you, what's the best way for them to to get in contact and and discover um, the rest of the Seth um, Perlow that we haven't managed to discuss yet? Yeah, awesome. Again, Mark, thank you for stepping up and for just making a choice to do this. I, I know you, you didn't have to do this, and you created this thing that helps people. And I just I love when people step up. It's just one of the most inspiring things to me. Um, they can find me on my website. It is sethperler.com, S-E-T-H-P-E-R-L-E-R.com. And on my blog, if you sign up on the homepage, uh, I send out a free course, the Student Success Toolkit, where I send out a course that helps students figure out some really unconventional ideas about how to deal with the resistance and how to, um, how to feel more successful, less stressed out, happier, in, in life and in school. Um, and I also have a course called UGYG, which is a semester long course for students and parents. There's actually a huge parent module with about 20 different in-depth parent lessons for how to help your child. And I go through all my methods of how I help students transform their lives. Yeah. And, and that's the resource, sethperler.com. I have an exhaustive blog. I'm also on YouTube, Seth Perler on YouTube and I have uh, a ton of uh, in-depth videos on YouTube where I explore all kinds of uh, relevant topics here. Thank you, Seth, for sharing your wisdom and allowing us to learn from your experiences. You're so welcome. Thank you all. Thanks for listening to the Learning on Fire podcast. For more information, please visit educationonfire.com and follow the links from the homepage. This show is sponsored by the National Association for Primary Education. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.